afternoon, everybody. Welcome again to the Farfish Client, uh, the Farfish Crowdcast. Um, I'm delighted we've got Paul Sharp here as my latest guest from the Jump Advisory Group. Thank you for joining us, Paul. Thank you very much for inviting me. And you and I are going to spend the next half hour exploring everything. RPO, MSP, Talent Advisory, Statement of Work, all of these sort of new models because you have really impressed me in terms of, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that talk the talk, but you really walk the walk. You have taken um, lots of businesses, you know, implementing that model and actually looking at what it takes to then change a business to delivering successfully in that model. So really excited. And the main thing here is it doesn't have to be the big guys, does it? No, I don't. And, and, and thank you for that. That's very kind. And I think we were chatting just before we went live. And there are so many people out in the market that have done certain parts of the, the, the sales process. Um, but certainly when I've hired salespeople, there's not many people that have done everything. Um, and um, I don't certainly know all the answers, but I have taken, um, you know, ideas and concepts from the concept stage right through to being implemented. So uh, thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure. And I think things like you were just mentioning to me as well, it's great because you've actually got somebody that can help even just come and have a call with you for an hour or you can um, say, hey, could you attend this sales pitch with me? Or I've got this tender. How do we model it and how do we shape it? So you can really break that process down. I think a lot of people just see it as one big thing and then go, OK, let's do it. And then go, how do we do that? So yeah. um, great to see how you've had experience of really breaking that down. Yeah, and, and I think the breaking it down is really important. We talk about talent advisory services and talent advisory services for me, Wendy, are just, you know, MSP and RPO services broken down into unbundled elements uh, and then sort of sold on. But it's really interesting So we, we had this chat, didn't we, a, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we spent 35 minutes talking about MSP and RPO, and then we realised after 35 minutes, we're both talking about something different. And that's so, it. And I definitely said the first question I'm going to say, let's clarify it. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's, let's do, do that. <laughs> On you go. RPO. <laughs> so RPO for me, so I follow the staffing industry analysts terminology around it. I follow the Scottish analogy then obviously. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to translate. <laughs> uh, so RPO for me is about permanent outsourcing. MSP is about contingent labour or temps. Uh, talent advisory services is, you know, services just unbundled. And then we've got statement of works, which is an outsourced service of which you, there would be people involved, but you're on the hook for the service, not the people. So four different elements um, at the moment going on in the market. And then you could also split it in because where I was coming from, we're all in agreement with most of them, but the MSP, just in case somebody else is sort of listening to that as well, is sort of a managed service provider where you're actually managing other third parties into it rather than splitting into contingency and permanent, which is where you're coming at it. So today, yeah. for the record, that's how we're going to talk about it, is the RPO Paul Sharp way. RPO perm, MSP, contingent. Exactly. Perfect. So hopefully that gives a wee bit more clarity uh, to audience. And please fire in, because I know that a lot of people are looking at different models right now. So yeah. fire in your questions. Um, either and ask a question in the crowdcast or we've got Amy, the lovely Amy there for some relevant content. She'll be managing the, the content feed and uh, put in your comments there as well. And she'll also be monitoring the, the LinkedIn and Facebook questions as well if there's any and post them into us, which we'll hopefully get to at the very end. So now we've got the jargon out of the way. Let's hit into, right, great. I want to do this. I want to reposition. Everybody's been talking to me about partnerships and working with my clients differently. How can we actually take that to repositioning yourself to being able to provide those different models? 
Mm. I think there's two there's two things there's two channels isn't there really there's your n new clients and then there's your existing clients and I think you've got slightly different tactics that you'd use depending upon the channel but I think ultimately what you're trying to do is find a reason to meet a client and you're not going to sell something uh, by sending them a brochure by having to shine a new website by having a case study these things will help at certain points in the sales process but ultimately you've got to find a reason to get in front of your client and for me it's all about building trust and within trust you break that down into rapport credibility and integrity I'll hone on the credibility bit for now because I, I can't obviously qualify whether people have you know, integrity or they've got good built but the credibility bit is where you home in and whether it be a new client or an existing client, I've used data and market information and data from people like, you know, Firefish and the REC and MC and ABSCO and staffing industry analysts. And you use that data to go and have conversations with your clients about what's going on in the market, labor market, what's going on from a skills perspective, what's happening around legislation, what's happening around talent advised, um, sorry, talent models, uh, total talent models, what the future of recruitment looks like, what people are predicting. And so the conversation you have with your client is not about, have you got some vacancies? It's about what's going on in the market. And through that conversation, I've always been able to engage with a HR director who were my main sort of stakeholders and, and target audience at the time, have a really good conversation about you flick it the other way. So what does that mean for you? Are you seeing the same thing? What are your challenges? And you just get a really good debate going, but you're putting the world to rights with the senior stakeholder about what's going on in the market and in their organization. And ultimately what you're trying to find out is what are the external factors affecting them as a business? What are the internal factors and what does that mean from a people perspective? And if you really truly understand that, you'll really get to grips with where their pain points are and that's where you can start to have conversations you can start to just drop things in can i tell you about what we've done for another organization or can i give you some insight in terms of what deloitte have said on that or the cipd's perspective so it's that credibility rather than just thinking um you know i work for an agency and there's only two or three of us in the office you can elevate yourself and make yourself much more consultative by being really well informed with all the data that's out there. Okay. It, it's honestly, it's so key. And do you know as well, you raise a good point there because somebody might be thinking, gosh, you know, I've only done a year or two years in recruitment. How am I going to build that credibility? It's not about what you've just done. It's about the, you know, it's actually the brand of your company and getting one another in that company and the recruitment agency to share that experience yeah. and help you build that credibility. 100%. And I think that, that's where, you know, your digital footprints comes in. And, you know, we then go into things like, you know, SEO and content and LinkedIn, uh, which, I could, you know, it's probably podcast on its own right. But having a presence in the market and being able to demonstrate that, you know, what you're talking about is really important. But getting in front of clients is even more important. And I'll just say this, you know, for me, from an existing client perspective, I've, I've never, or where I've got an existing relationship, I've never not got in front of a customer providing you pitch the reason why you want to meet is about giving something to them that's going to help them in their role. And when I 
accounts at BAE Systems, there were probably two or three agencies that I had a really strong relationship with. And it was those agencies that gave me information and data. And I'll be honest with you, that made me look better than I was internally because they were giving me access to stuff. When you go in-house, you lose access to so much information that's out there in the public domain. And I'll, I'll just share one or two other things with you as well, if I can. Um, you know, things like talent insights on, on LinkedIn, telling a client where they recruit from and where they lose talent to is really powerful. That's and a great tip. I told you this story. I've sat in front of the HR director for Insight Investment, part of New York Mellon. We we're going through a bit of a, a, a mini pitch for uh, for an RPO, for an MSP and an RPO. And um, I presented to, uh, to Lynn and I said, let me tell you the 10 organizations where you recruit from and the 10 organizations where you lose talent to. And she looked at the head of talent acquisition and said, why do I not get this information from you? It's a bit of an awkward moment because actually he was my friend, the tel head of talent acquisition. He was your friend. He <laughs> was a friend. So it's just, you know, another tip is just, you know, telling an organization if they're struggling to recruit .NET developers in Northampton, yeah. giving them some data and telling them where all the .NET developers in Northampton are, who are the organization recruiting, hiring, uh, you know, what are the trends, where do these people come from, what universities did they emanate from, and then just say to the client, you know, if you fail to recruit these people, can I come in and just share further insights and market data with you? And again, it's a great segue in because it's about being credible but actually give it rather than asking. And using that example, which I think is just, it's its gold there because using that example now with uh, everyone being remote and actually more companies now up to work from anywhere, you could yeah. be providing a solution saying, hey, I know you're looking in this area, but it's, it's really yeah. low in supply. But if you were to go and market into this town, yeah. hey, presto, you've got a bit more supply and you're also paying 5K more. So you've got yeah. more of a chance. Now, definitely, somebody's going to take that meeting, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, the, the, the second thing I'd just say is, I think sometimes we underestimate referrals and our own network. And you go off Pareto's law, you know, we're only six connections away from the individual that we want to meet. I think frequently it's two or three. And I think sometimes we just underestimate that. And we, we, we I think it's a British thing, maybe we hold back a little bit uh, in terms of asking for referrals. but. The clients that I brought on board from you know scratch in the last sort of four or five years, the vast majority get from referrals, or it came from my own network where an individual was perhaps a procurement leader and they knew I was credible and I had some um, you know uh, integrity and therefore they'd reach out to you in terms of I've got an opportunity you know coming up. So that that referral bit, if it's no, using your client relationships when you, you've got an existing client is really key. I think the key bit on, on the where you've got the existing client is that if your existing client thinks you're just an order taker and you mm -hmm. don't fill roles, you, you've got to use this consultative approach to really spread your wings and, and come across in a much more PwC, you know, Ernst & Young type consultative fashion really important it is it's that repositioning isn't it and now is a really good time to do that because everyone's yeah. changing delivering differently looking at differently so to get it that change is a great time to do that yeah. um, because they're open to seeing things differently i think as well yeah great so now yeah. you've identified it sounds to me like we've got there you've got the credibility it's really good um, good, good ideas and how to do that 
um, it, I heard, um, had the conversation, identified the problems. So how do you turn these problems into actually implementing those solutions? What's the next steps? I, you, you've got to hear what, I think th this, this comes back to the mindset of the owner because you automatically start to think about, oh, there's 50 perm roles there or there's mm -hmm. temple contract roles over here. And you automatically start to get into, so what does that mean at you know, £20 an hour or £50 an hour or £100 an hour times 15%? And you, and you start to you know, you know, co compute all what it means from a commercial perspective. You've got to ditch it. And you've got to go back to what is the client, what is the problem the client's got, and how can I best solve that without thinking with my recruitment hat on? And I'll, I'll give you a really good example um about god i think it's about two years ago now uh i was invited in to speak to um asos mm -hmm. and they wanted to they were going out to market they were bringing in three consultancies and two agencies to talk about um their need for workforce planning and they wanted to put a workforce planning for the next three years now through sitting in front of the client and asking the right questions it really transpired they actually didn't want or didn't need workforce planning. They thought they wanted it, but they didn't need it. What they actually needed was somebody to get hold of their non-perm labor force, find out where they were, map it all out, and really put in some robust process and procedures around all these freelancers, temps, contractors, then to think about the workforce planning, so you know, a year or two down the line. So the initial work was doing something completely different. Um, again, did some work with Borden when, when Borden went live with a brand new brand and they thought they needed some help. What they actually needed was, was just, you know, labour. They needed somebody to field and sift CVs and the calls from the candidates and the, and the uh, candidate attraction campaign. So it's not always about thinking about the end result. It really is about trying to understand what your client's needs are. And if, if you really get under the skin of that, they'll really trust you because they will see you as really authentic and really credible. Now, it's really interesting because you say that very easily and you can see that's just how your mind is working, okay? Um, I can understand that some of the owners are thinking bigger picture there and they're able to go into that, but they really struggle to get that into the next level of employee or management. Um, have you worked with some customers and sort of looked at how they actually get because every recruiter is trained almost in contingency recruitment let's look at the bucks and get the cvs and you're basically yeah. saying eradicate that thought process and look at things differently how yeah. did an owner start to do that in their business it, it's it's a brilliant question and i think most people struggle with it if i'm mm -hmm. really honest with you because everybody defaults back to how we've been brought up and trained yeah. it's all about filling vacancies and filling any vacancy in, in, in some cases as well so I think it, it, it comes back to, I think, what I said, which is it, it starts with the owner for me. Um, and this isn't just something for large-scale businesses. You know, I've, I've worked for Deco, yes, but I've worked for an SME agency as well and built this out. So I've, I've you know, genuinely been there and done it. I'm advising clients now with, you know, less than, in some cases, less than 10 heads. Mm -hmm. These agencies are all trying to use the relationships and they just need some help and some education but they've got the principle, they've got the basis there, which is they can get airtime with a senior stakeholder. They just don't know how to convey what needs to be conveyed, mm -hmm. then take it to the next steps. And, and that's where, you know, I, I'm, I'm helping organizations. Mm -hmm. 
people can get there on their own. They don't need any help at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but some people really struggle because your default position, when you've been trained for so long in doing it in a certain way, you, your default position is to go back to that that point. Mm -hmm. Which, but the reason why I think a lot of people struggle with RPO services bit more than MSP. RPO is definitely harder to win than MSP, by the way, because it's much more complex and it's much more internal ingrained within, ingrained within the organisation. Um, but from an RPO perspective, you start thinking about, well, I've got this need, uh, I need to fill it. But the whole premise of an RPO is that you're thinking about the need before the need arises. So you're actually, you know, looking at your brand, you're looking at your content, you're looking at your EVP, you're looking at your candidate channels, you're creating your talent pool. So it's all those things you do before it gets to an agency. Mm -hmm. And I was chatting to one um, director of an com engineering company uh, in, uh, just before Christmas. He's, he's started an RPO opportunity, not contract, RPO firm. And um, he said to me, so how, how will all this work? And I said, well, what will probably happen is we'd put somebody as part of the team on site with a client and we, we'd agree the days and everything. And um, they will be trying to fill the roles under the brand of the client and you will become part of the supply chain. And this recruiter said to me, what? Well, why, why would I agree to that? I was like, well, you're going to get more overall. It's just that we, we're going to you know, brand it and pitch it as a, a different type of model with a different commercial arrangement, but you will get more money overall. And he, he, honestly, the individuals just could not get his head around the fact that he wouldn't be filling all the roles directly himself. <laughs> Completely different mindset. But I, I can't emphasize enough you know, MSP, RPO, Talent Advisory Services, Statement of Works, you do not have to be a big agency to do this. You just need the right opportunities, the right relationships, and you just need to be able to elevate yourself to a higher level. And then once you get there, if, if anybody starts to panic or think, oh my God, how do I do it next? All you have to do is just pick up the phone or connect with me through LinkedIn and I'll try and help. But it's, you've, you've done the hard bit then. The hard bit is getting to a point where you can actually convince a client that you can do it. I mean, what do you think the minimum duration is of a pro you know a project like that to give give our audience a little bit of an understanding when we say yes, SMEs can do it? Yeah, it, it can honestly, Wendy, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. I think what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve here is generate recurring revenues, uh, and by recurring revenues, you know, a typical tr contract for me would be you know minimum of three years. If you get in the minimum of three years with a contract with a client and providing you good and you keep hold of it and you don't terminate for cause, then from a value perspective, you know, you're increasing the value of your business in some cases by three times. So, you know, traditional sort of staffing businesses around four, uh, four in terms of multiplier, uh, some of these recurring MSP and RPO valuation of 12. So it, it really significantly higher. Uh, in terms of revenue opportunity. I've lost track of the question now, by the way. So no, you... don't worry, because I mean, I'm actually just thinking there, I said, you know, a three year would be great. You know, actually when I was doing it, it can be anything like a six month project, yep. you know, because you can then break it into sort of, um, you know, taster sections as well. I don't think it needs to be that sort of three yeah. year contract either. No. And I think that's what we were talking about projects as well. Correct, absolutely. And this could be, you know, if you get 10, 10 hires out of your client yeah. and you're, one off three on a PSL, then you know you you know Laura. See a third, yeah, third, third of the business third, you might get, yeah. And, and it might be you charge you, you know ten grand mm -hmm. per fee, let's just say. But then if you go back to your client and say, what about if I save you twenty five percent of what you're going to spend this year? Mm -hmm. I take responsibility for it. 
put some skin in, skin in the game and I have you know, next on the block a little bit. And if I overachieve, I get a little bit more. And if I underachieve, I, I get less. I'll take responsibility and accountability. So th- this and that's the key, isn't it? Actually, Paul, it's that it, accountability it, and responsibility. It that, really you know, is putting your, you know, your mouth where your bucks are. <laughs> it really is, and that's why you back it up with, you know, your SLAs and and your your, your commitments and your KPIs and everything else. Um, but from a client perspective, if they're already outsourcing that, then for me, they, they might as well give it to one agency, yeah. and and you do you fill the role, but you fill the role and do more mm-hmm. so an example would be um you know if you've got 10 roles i would say to you know in, in the past in terms of some of my teams after you fill the 10th role you pull together a market report and you go and sit with a with a client and tell them all the candidates that you've spoken to and what the feedback is on them as an organization or what they've told you about their their the, their employer in terms of you know the a competitor of the client so you're sharing market data mm-hmm market information mm-hmm. rather than just filling a role and this is where the insight bit mm-hmm. really helps because you're sharing insights particular HR directors they love insights uh, in the tech space they love to understand what's going on from a technology perspective what other organizations are deploying and investing in so it's just about know- knowing your audience understanding what interests them and getting that credible data but there's another good sales point there as well, Paul, because, um, you know, if you were just filling those 10 roles and maybe you got three or four of them filled in a, a sort of SL, you know, SLA with other competing against on a contingency basis. Mm. But if you've just, you know, just explained that sort of package up, get the 10 roles and then go and share that data, mm. that client would never know about all the talent that you've actually just really encouraged because you're exclusive there with them and built up talent pools. Now, if you've built up a talent pool, you know what I, I'm sure you do as well, what I used to do was then I had a monthly retainer when they weren't actively recruiting, but they then kept that monthly talent pool warm with some insight to the candidate information, telling them that my company was the best to still, you know, they've just got no active roles right now, but it doesn't mean that we can't talk to that customer. And that means that you're providing value that's still worth paying for, even when they're not recruiting. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and it means the client is going to, they're not just getting uh, a race to the finish line uh, for a candidate, that they're getting the best candidate that is available. And there's loads of stuff we, we can do, you know, nowadays around, you know, technology, using technology, uh, you know, things like video interviewing to entice and, and, and specking and tease. There's, there's so much opportunity, um, but it is about just making sure it, it's, it's really, really laser focused. Well, I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes just actually tacking the technology and I don't normally sort of in in, in our crowdcast talk about technology, but I think it's very relevant here because you can get to a stage where if you've just listened to, you know, how to reposition, then implement RPOs um, or different models, you know, if you don't fully sort of aren't fully aware of everything that goes on behind the scenes, you could end up in an absolute admin nightmare that is a huge high cost agency by promising this report and that report and everything else. Really important that you actually have the technology to automate and keep that margin of profitability in the right zone by, by actually looking at sort of technology. How have you used the technology then to really help that? I think this, the technology depends upon what, you, what you're delivering. So I think if you are delivering things like talent advisory services, it's more around market research uh, than technology and, and you know, making sure you map things really accurately and present it in the right fashion. 
Um, I think if you are delivering uh, RPO solutions, that's per recruitment. <laughs> depending upon the volume, will depend upon what you need to plug in. The client normally has control of the ATS system. Uh, for most clients, they, they would normally have one uh, in-house. Not always, but most. And if they, if they do, then it's about you using their ATS. So you are really part of their HR talent acquisition team and you're, everything you're doing, you, you put it back into the ATS. Mm -hmm. The contingent bit, I think, is a little bit more attractive um, for two reasons. One, the contingent market is holding up at this moment in time better than the, the per market. And so therefore, I think more organizations are open to more conversations about contingent labor. And I think the second thing is, if you've got the right technology, then you are the control, you are the, the data controller. So you're populating everything into your you know, VMS or C, uh, CRM, and you're controlling the data, therefore. So if the client wants to exit you, they're going to lose all the data and start from <laughs> So it's really hard to change sometimes um, a provider who delivers contingent labor solutions. It's a little bit easier on the perm side because you keep the team in-house and tech all the assets and everything else. Um, so I think in that small space, it's not that I wouldn't go after perm solutions because I have and, and done it exceptionally well, but the contingent ones are just a little bit easier sometimes to deliver because you, the value add there is pretty quick. You, you can really go back to the client and say, you know, you're spending five million quid. Uh, I'll save you ten percent of that straight away, and then you go into models in terms of how you're going to deliver those cost savings. Mm -hmm. And it's not particularly hard. You've just got to be really good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting because we we obviously have a, a an RPO offering on that. And actually, you would be surprised at how many of the smaller customers that that a lot of the recruitment agencies are servicing don't have ATSs as well. So there is an opportunity to be a sort of agency expert in technology and take that technology to them as well, which is certainly we're seeing a big demand in the last time. Uh, I, I would say sort of ideas in the last six months, but in the last four months, really implementing that now with clients and yeah. client branding solutions as well. And I think it is really important because that does allow that automation to come in and keep the, the, uh, the margins down, which is good. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll make a lot more money if you can automate things and use technology. Mm -hmm. So the, the you know, any, any MSP and RPO can be very labor intensive. Uh, we were talking just before we went live. I think people sometimes see it as a shiny new toy. Uh, what they don't realize is all the work that goes into the background in terms of setting everything up. Uh, that is a lot of work. The, the goal here is to get recurring revenues. And if you put that effort in and you get it right and you do it really well, I, I think the prize is definitely worth going for. And I'm really glad you said that because I'm going to bring it back to that because, you know, how many businesses just go like this in terms of chunky revenue and it's so hard to scale. And, you know, that that's one of the biggest um, sort of challenges we get, you know, recruitment owners have. But a recurring license, a recurring, not license, because that's obviously what we're going, but moving that um, agency to a recurring service. Um, every month then and knowing that you've got that guaranteed income actually allows yeah. you to plan and forecast much further forward it, 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 and, and invest I'd say Wendy so mm -hmm. yeah you know the um, you know one lady that I'm thinking of at the moment you know I'm, I'm advising and helping around statement of works mm -hmm. but these aren't things you can go into lightly because mm -hmm. they frequently take investment whether it be cash or headcount uh, or other things to support so it, it's it's having a really clearly defined strategy and making sure it is part of your strategy, uh, your business plan, 
uh, rather than just thinking, oh, that's an extra um, you know, revenue line, I'll pivot and go and chase that one. You've <laughs> really got to do your research yeah. and understand what you're getting into. But if you get it right, the recurring revenues are brilliant. But the, the other thing I just said as well, which you know, you know, really, you know, it's all, all about why we are all in the industry, is the buzz you get from having a conversation with a HR director who's got a problem regarding skills or labor or you know business entities and you've been able to offer a solution the feeling forget the revenue just for a second the feeling that i personally have had when i've walked out that room always reminds me why i love the recruitment industry so much and then hopefully the revenue flows downstream you know we've got to make money out of these things everybody gets that but it's solving real issues Problems, yeah. it just and you know if you look on my LinkedIn profile, my Facebook page, you know, the HR director at Rico, Collinson's, Insight Investment, Carphone Dixon's, these are all people that I'm still friends with. Mm-hmm. Proper well, friends. Yeah, because you've solved their problems. Yeah, is, yeah. Which but is you good. get really close. You get really mm-hmm. close to these yeah. people. Oh, no, awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, that has been a really good insight of actually taking it from the next step to implementing it with that end goal of the recurring license and um, recurring licenses recurring. Gosh, I'm I'm now way, way beyond the recruitment side. I'm now into that software service. Um, but, you know, really that goal in terms of turning that business into giving, you know, that that could be scalable. So I, I like to sort of finish up and just say, right, you know, somebody out there that's listening how to do this and wants to do this, three top tips to starting. What can they do after this? Uh, webinar in order to start to actually implement and that's not call you but of course they're welcome to call you <laughs> but in terms of like just thinking about it i think the first thing i'd say is um if you don't do it somebody else is going to do it mm-hmm. uh, at times i speak to business owners where they've lost the opportunity or they've been too late and these are small sme agencies so if you've got a client where you think there might be an opportunity in there do something today don't leave it till tomorrow the second thing is just make sure you've got something credible to talk about. So think about what is it that that client is going to really value and going to think that they've had a really good hour, hour and a half with you because you've given them something that they didn't have before. So that's the, the, the next bit. And the last bit, Wendy, I'd just be, be really creative. Be really creative. Using the ASOS example, my team thought I were nuts when I went to business and we broke it all down. We glued different components together, we patched it up and we went and sold it. And I went head with PwC as a shortlist and I won. So be really creative and be really, really hungry and you'll get it. Do you know, you've just reminded me of my best day in recruitment, uh, which is exactly that. Uh, Christine Bell, she's uh, she's over I think, with Harvey Nash just now as well. And we both went into National Australia Group, exactly same. And we both, uh, and we walked out with a, uh, it was contract and perm, so whatever you want to call that, but we called it, it was a three-year con- uh, RPO, and best feeling in the world. Um, yeah. and, and really, when you do do that, that just changes your job, your company, and um, and, and it's really exciting. Yeah, um, yeah Paul, it's brilliant. It's been so insightful, um, and I think the fourth one is to call you then. Um, but the reason <laughs> why I said not the first one, because you can do more to help when somebody's got a clear idea of their strengths, weaknesses, and what the client's offerings are. So if somebody can think about that start, they'll get more out of then if they do need help, say, hey, could you just come and support me in my first one or anything like that? And I think that's where, you know, 
we need to learn from people that have done this before and then help to change the industry in order to allow more people to go forward and do that. So um, to the audience out there, um, happy shopping. <laughs> I hope we've inspired you, you know, look at things differently. This is your opportunity because there's a whole heap of, you know, when this market comes back, um, uh, uh, granted temp and contract market is, is definitely the one that's more of a focus, but permanent's going to come back really, really fiercely. Um, and that's also where, you know, if you're organized for it, Likewise, we've mentioned and just tiptoed around the statement of work from an IR35 point of view, which I do need to go and I do want to do a session on as well at some point um, with one of my guests. I mean, huge opportunities right now because they are pains, aren't they? In terms Massive of pains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. And, and a lot of opportunity around statement of work. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you. Thank you for, thank you very much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Hope everybody else, I know our audience will have taken a lot from that. Um, so next couple of weeks, we... Um, uh, joining the dots even more, we're going to tackle a different sort of topic with Steve Carter, for those that people that know that. So we'll be bringing him on in the next couple of weeks. Um, as, as Amy has uh, already sort of posted out, if you want to get hold of anybody in the Jump uh, Associate Network um, or the consultancy there, advisory, um, please get in contact with Paul or Paul directly. Um, either is all good uh, to help with your, your journey on the RPO and MSP um, routes there. But thank you so much. Uh, can you believe that was January over? And here's to a very short month. Make sure all your business plans are in place for the fact that you've only got four weeks to make your target. So keep your teams going and uh, keep that uh, enthusiasm going through lockdown, uh, which I know you will. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, everyone. Yes. Thank you.